for the year. She's been taking ballet for several years, but this was her first one for the year. And there were some new girls in the class. And so uh, she sees this little girl, and she goes up to her, and she says, Hi, do you want to be friends with me? And the little girl says, Well, I have to think about it. <laughs> and I thought that was just hilarious. I mean, we're talking 45 minutes once a week here. Um, and most of the time you're going to be engaged in activity. <laughs> but, but then I thought about it. And I thought, you know, that's probably good advice. To not rush into a decision if you don't have to. And, um, you know, we've got to take the big and the small issues of our life to God because he wants to guide us in our decisions uh, in everything. Not just sometimes we think, okay, this is, this is big. I'll take this one to God. And the little things we just, oh, I'll do it myself. It's all right. I, I've, I've got this figured out. But no, in all our ways, we need to acknowledge him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, we want to thank you that you are so involved in our lives that every decision we make is important to you. And you have guidance and wisdom and direction for us, Father, if we will come to you. So, Lord, tonight, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, how to take these matters to you in prayer and to receive, Father, the instruction that you have for us, Lord. So, Father, speak to us from your word. I pray you'd set me aside that your Holy Spirit would come and give to each woman here what she needs from you tonight, Lord. We look expectantly to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So like that little girl, we want to take everything to God. We don't want to rush into decisions. We want to make sure that we have sought the heart of God. Um, you know, when we go to make a decision, it seems like there are many voices that kind of uh, cheer at us and speak to us. And um, it's sometimes that very hard to discern the voice of God over the other voices that are clamoring so loudly in our hearts. You know, I think about Eve. There she was, standing in front of that tree. Now, she wasn't supposed to be there to start with. This was a decision that she really... Um, didn't need a whole lot of time to consider because God already had said no. But, you know, ladies, a lot of our decisions are a lot like that. We already know God's will, and yet we're standing there. Hmm, let me look at it from this angle. Maybe from this side it looks a little more like I can do it. And so the voices just start going. And I can just see Eve sitting there. She knows this tree's forbidden. She's not to eat this fruit. God has already said no. And then you've got Satan over there saying, oh, come on, it'll be okay. In fact, you're going to get a big benefit out of this. And then she started thinking, well, you know, it would be a new experience for me. This could be really great. And all these voices are now speaking at her. And she's got to make a decision. And she allowed those emotions that got all stirred up because she was listening to the wrong advice. And she pushed down the voice of God, and she made her decision. And that decision was a complete disaster for all mankind. 
It had eternal consequences that she wasn't aware of. And soon she did become aware. And so, ladies, when we're making decisions, we've got to be very careful at the voices coming at us from every angle. Satan is subtle. He's going to come in. He's going to speak to you his wisdom, the wisdom of the world. You know, we're to be that living sacrifice. We're to be um, giving ourselves to God that he might renew our mind. Get in the word. Let him renew your mind that you might know what his will is. The scripture says that he wants us to know his will. And so we have to be careful when all those voices come at, come at us when we're making a decision. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is God's prescription for your decisions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So this is a how-to and how-not-to-make decisions. First, we're told we're to trust in the Lord. The word trust means to have confidence in, to be secure in, because our view of God is going to affect how we trust him. And we need faith to trust in the Lord. And this comes from his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God in Romans ten seventeen. So as we spend time in the word of God, God's spirit applies that truth to our heart. And then we begin to know the, the character and the will of God. And when it comes to trusting God, we have to remember God is sovereign. He is all wise and he's perfect in his love. God in his love always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he knows what is best for us. And in his sovereignty, he is able to perform and the power to bring about what is best for us. So we must learn to trust in the Lord. And sometimes, ladies, you're not going to understand what's going on in your life. You're not going to understand what to do, where to go. You're not going to understand what God is doing, what God is allowing in your life. And when we don't know and we don't understand, we fall back on what we do understand. What do you understand about God? You understand he loves you. He died for your sins. He has eternity promised to you. You belong to him. He has given you his Holy Spirit. You know this, and you fall back on that. You know that he has a future and a hope for you, and you know he's able to work all things for the good. And that's, the, that's what you fall back on, to help build that trust in him. Psalm 9.10 says, Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God will not forsake you. Um, So we're to trust in the Lord and not lean on our own understanding, our insight, our knowledge, our discernment. This is the hard part. Not leaning on my understanding because, you know, it's right there. Um, I'm comfortable with my understanding. Trusting in God is a little harder for me. Um, But I'm to not lean on my understanding. The scripture says, Proverbs 28, 26, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So I can't trust in my own heart, my own understanding. Why? 
because the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God. My heart's going to get all wrapped up in my emotions, and then I really can't see clearly. I can't think clearly, and I definitely can't make good decisions. Uh, Jeremiah 17, uh, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drop, nor cease from yielding fruit. So those that trust in the Lord are like that tree. Doesn't mean there will be no heat. Doesn't mean there will be no drought. But we do not need to fear because we are anchored in the Lord. We know him. You see, my understanding, my discernment, my insight, they're subject to my feelings. They're subject to my emotions. I feel about something this way one day, that another. Um, I'm also um, going to to have misinformation in there somewhere. Um, My limitations... So I can't really rely on my understanding of things, my discernment. And when I do, the scripture says I'm being self-confident, not God-confident. Now, this isn't to say you don't have any understanding or that God doesn't want you to use your brain. He sure does. But he wants it to be employed in the right things. He wants you to be seeking him, seeking his word, um, not out there looking up what is... Um, Oprah say about this and, you know, what's out there on, on the Internet? What can I find out? And just go looking for your information all over the place. You seek the right place. You trust God. You seek him. And don't rely on your understanding. And this means I must be open for God to direct me. Sometimes we get so um, stuck on what we want. I want my will. I want my way. It's like your four-year-old that wants to eat candy before they go to bed. They do not understand why that's not a good thing. And sometimes the things that we want, we get stuck on it. I want this. It'll be good for me. I love candy. And it's not good for us. Uh, And we need God's wisdom. We need to be open for him to direct me otherwise. Proverbs 20, verse 24, A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? We don't quite know what's best for us, but God does, and we trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 speaks about a total commitment to God. I must be completely committed to him, trusting him when? All times. Not sometimes, not when it's easy, not when I like it, but all times. Um, we're be committed to him with all our heart, not a part of it. I'll give God this part of me. This other part, that's kind of saved for my personal use. Ladies, when you come to the Lord, there is no personal use. God has your whole heart. Have you ever tried to make a cake with half the ingredients? Not very successful, right? Doesn't make anything too great. Well, if you want God to make something wonderful out of your life, then you need to give him all your heart. He needs access to everything, all your thoughts, all your dreams, all your hopes, all your ways, everything. He needs all of it. In all our ways, that means our paths, our habits, our course of life, everything we do, in everything, we must acknowledge the Lord. We recognize him. 
We acknowledge him in the affections of our heart, the thoughts of our mind, and the decision of our will. And we have to keep the Lord in view. We need to consider him as being present with us all the time. Something I ask the Lord for every day. Lord, make me aware of your presence today, throughout my day. You know, I want to check back. I want to not let moments go by where, you know, he's not there. I I don't sense him. I want to sense the Lord's presence. I want to make him a part of what I'm doing. If God cannot be a part of what I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing it. And what I'm thinking, then I shouldn't be thinking it. So we're told that he will direct our path. If we will do this, if we'll trust in him, not lean on our understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. We do our part. We trust. We don't lean on understanding. We acknowledge him. And he promises he will direct your path. We have that promise. This week we studied about David. And I want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Um, We studied David, and he was making crucial decisions in his life, things that were going to affect not only him, but the men under him, um, and the nation also. And at the same time, we had Saul in this chapter, who was self-willed and unwilling to go to God for counsel, for wisdom, for guidance. So let's look at um, 1 Samuel chapter 23. Um, verse 1 through 4. Yeah, the events leading up to chapter 23, we had Saul. King Saul had been rejected by God because God had um, given him a mission. He did not obey God's word. And for that disobedience, God says, I've taken the kingdom from you and I've given it to a neighbor who's better than you. Well, Saul couldn't handle this. He wanted to have the respect of the people. He didn't want to lose his position. And... Um, He got very jealous of David. When David came on the scene, David was very wise. He was um, a godly young man. All Israel loved him. Remember when he he killed Goliath, all the Israelites were saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. So he was very jealous of David. In fact, um, he tried to kill him twice while David was in the palace. And he threw a spear at him. And so David had to flee. He had to get out of there. And he fled to the city of Nob, where the priests lived. And Saul chased after him. And he killed all the priests at Nob. Only uh, Abiathar escaped. And he killed all these priests out of rage and jealousy over David. So he is um, a, a man after his flesh. And at this point, David has ended up in the area of Judah near Cala. And we're told in verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Cala, and they are robbing the threshing floors. So Cala is this fortified city near Hebron in the um, tribe of Judah, but it bordered the Philistines, which was the enemy of Israel. And they were attacking the city, robbing the threshing floor. This means that the Israelites would come in, they would bring in the sheaves of harvest. They would beat out the grain so that just the grain kernels remained. They did all the hard work. And as soon as all the hard work was done, these big piles of grain, the Philistines would come over, swoop in, take the spoil, and they would leave the Israelites without sustenance. And it would take 
months and months to go into another cycle. So they would be depleted. When David heard this news, he was moved by the plight of these people. And actually, to protect the people of Israel was Saul's job. But Saul couldn't do his job because he was really busy pursuing his own interest. And so I believe God brought David here to protect these people. Um, so David seeks God's counsel. In verse 2 through 4, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Um, so David here doesn't make a rash decision, but he inquires of the Lord. He doesn't rely on his past victories. He could have said, you know, I killed Goliath. I have fought against the Philistines for years and years. I have this military expertise. Um, it's no problem for me. He doesn't rely on his past. He goes to God and he inquires of the Lord. And this is something that we have to learn. Just because um, you have gone through something before, when a situation comes up, don't think just because you've been in this situation before, you can handle it. Is this what God wants you to do? We have to seek the Lord um, daily. And uh, I think that David's reaction here is indicative of his lifestyle. It was David's lifestyle, his pattern of life to seek the Lord. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This one thing is, was David lived for, to seek the Lord, to follow the Lord, inquire of the Lord, and walk with him. Um, you see, ladies, we were created to be dependent on God. God never intended us to live this life independently, on our own, making our own decisions. We were made to depend upon him. You know, our understanding is so limited. Our wisdom is so lacking. Um, we're very nearsighted, and we need God's assistance. We're wise to recognize our own limitations and seek the Lord. Jeremiah ten twenty three says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. God did this on purpose. He wanted that relationship with you to be so close, so intimate, that your decisions would be something you take to him. Think about who do people rely on when they need to make decisions? Somebody they're close to. Somebody they trust. Somebody they know. Who better to go to than your Heavenly Father? Your Heavenly Father who knows the hairs on your head. He's taken the time to count them. He knows you inside and out. He knows your heart. He knows that you're but dust. He knows your failures. And who could lead you better than God? It's not in us to direct our own steps. You know, our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. We will lead ourselves astray every time. 
God has a purpose to work out in the difficult situations that we find ourselves in, those times of decision that we need to uh, take before God. We don't want to get in the way of that. I think about Abraham and Sarah when they had a child by way of Hagar. You know, uh, Sarah, she just wanted to alleviate her heartache. She got tired of waiting for God. She took the matters into her own hands. She had no idea the heartache she was going to bring upon herself, her household, and generations to come. Abraham, he wanted to please his wife. But in doing so, he could not please the heart of God. You see, it's not in man to direct our own steps. We're going to fail when we make decisions apart from God, apart from seeking him. Sarah could have could have used Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm sorry she didn't have it to go to. But ladies, we have no excuse. We know we got to trust the Lord, not lean on our understanding, not make our own way, not clear our own path. You let God do that. Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Abraham and Sarah found this out the hard way. Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That is God speaking to you. He wants to instruct you and teach you in the decisions that you have to make in life. He wants to make that way uh, smooth for you. I don't have to go with what seems right. I can go with what is right because God will lead me into it. This is the confidence David had. He knew that God was committed. He's going to guide you with my eye. He's committed to directing him and guiding him. Now, God instructs us by his word of truth and by his spirit of truth. When we spend time in the word, as we go into studies, as we spend time with one another and share the word of God, um, God leads us into that truth. And you know, when you're... um, Praying through a decision, you pray, you seek God, you get your friends to pray. I have a decision to make. You pray for me. You know, I love Esther. She gets all her maidens and says, you know, I'm going to go before the king. I don't know how this is going to go. Please fast and pray. Have your girlfriends fast and pray before you make a decision about something that's going to affect you, your family, your household. Um, And we have resources God has given us. So it's important. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And I love that. God gives us steps. You know, they're small increments. Um, doesn't say he leads us by leaps and bounds, which I always want to know what's coming way down the road. So I can plan. I can plan what I'm going to do. And God says, no, I'm going to give you the plans as they come out, as I, as I want you to, t- to take the steps. And we always want to know more. But Psalms 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So you have a way you want to go. You see a situation and you need to make a decision about it. And you use your understanding and you go to God and you seek his word. And then you take that in prayer and you commit that to God. This is what I see. This is the understanding I have. Please open my eyes to what your will would be in this situation. That word commit your way literally means to roll it off, 
You roll it off onto God as if you cast your cares upon him. You roll it off to him. And you ask him to bring about the best possible situation. Sometimes you may have to ask God to direct you, to redirect you. Open doors, shut doors, according to your plan and purpose. So many times God has directed me by shutting the door. You know, we wanted to buy a house in Trudy's neighborhood. And Trudy and I were so excited about, oh, this would be great. And we, we put a down payment on the house and everything, and we were praying through it, and then the door shut. What? Well, Trudy and I might have been real excited about it, but I don't know if our husbands would have been real excited. I might have been that neighbor that came over with the curlers and the coffee cup. <laughs> so the Lord probably spared us. <laughs> but God will shut those doors if you continue to be open. But ladies, you need to be open. Lord, this is my plan. Take it, do with it what you would have. Open and shut these doors according to your purpose, your plan. And so we're to take everything to him in prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything, the small things, the big things. And allow God to guide and direct you. And God uses his word so many times as we're just reading through it to shed light on those decisions that we have to make. I'll never forget, um, we had a dog that needed an operation. She was... Um, had infection and she was sick and I took her to the vet and the vet said, oh yeah, you need to get this operation or your dog will die. Oh my goodness. Okay. We hardly had two pennies to scrape together. So I called Tony and I said, oh, the dog is, I'm here at the vet. The dog needs this operation um, or she's going to die. And Tony says, okay, well, why don't you bring the dog home and uh, we'll pray about it for a day or two. What? That was not a part of my understanding. The dog is going to die. The doctor told me so. And I didn't want to take the dog home. I didn't want to shove that dog back in my car, so sick as she was. And yet, I knew God's word told me to submit to my husband. Did I feel like it? No. Did I think he was nuts? Yes. But I shoved the dog back in the car. Went home, and Tony and I prayed together that night. Next morning, I'm reading my Bible in my devotion, the way I'm always, you know, go through the Bible. And this is what I read that next morning. Proverbs 24, 11 through 12. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Wow. Did God speak directly to my situation? Because I was reading the word of God like I always did every day, just, you know, my reading plan as I was going through it. And God spoke so powerfully, and that's why it's so important that we're in the Word every day, because God wants to speak to you. He wants to direct you by His Word. And you know, the most amazing thing to me about that was I got to see God work. I got to hear God speak clearly to me in this situation, you know, And had I just been at the vets and said, yeah, just take the dog and I'll deal with my husband when I get home. You know, because ladies, we're, we do that sometimes. 
We just take matters in our own hand and say, you know what, I'll deal with the wrath of my husband. I'm just going to go do this thing because, you know what, I know this is what's right. And yet I would have missed out on hearing God speak to me. I mean, there is nothing like having God speak to you from his word. The words jump out on the page. They address your situation. Nobody else telling you the very same thing could have meant so much. So um, I was very thankful at the end of it all, the way God worked it out. It was beautiful, and God wants to do that for us. When I think about David and his men, David had taken the situation to God, and God had spoken to him, but his men, they weren't too sure. Uh, what do you mean, David? We are, like, going to fight the Philistines. We got Saul on that side of us, and then we're going to fight the Philistines. We're afraid. Uh, they didn't feel good about it at all. So David reassures his men. But I love it that he doesn't allow the pressure from his men to hold him back from doing God's will. At the same time, he's concerned about his men. He reassures them what God has said. And you know, ladies, our decisions affect those around us. You can't just say, oh, God said it, sorry, it's what we're doing. But you minister, you reassure those around you. You know, we have families, we have children, we have husbands and, and family members that, you know, may not understand the things that we're, we're doing. And we need to be able to share with them and reassure them, God has spoken to me, God has shown me this, um, and, you know, those people that are watching your life, they're going to watch God guide you. Um, and you can't allow the pressure of others to keep you from doing what God has shown you. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Um, I can remember my son was in ninth grade. My father was um, paying for him to go through private Christian high school. And my son was failing. Um, he was getting D's. I mean, what's up with that? And t- my husband and I was, were talking about it, and we prayed about it. We decided we're going to take him out of high school. And I told my dad, you know, we've, we've just decided we're going to take him out of high school. What? Do you have Fruit Loop for brains? What do you mean take him out of school? I never graduated from high school, and, and I'm going to be a teacher now? Okay. My dad is thinking, you have just flown off the deep end. And we did take him out of high school. And I taught him. That might account for some things, but... (laughs) You know, he graduated from high school. He graduated from PCC. He graduated from UCLA. And he graduated from um, Cal State Long Beach. I think that's where he was. And... Um, he's got a a BA, two masters. He did okay. And my dad later came to me and said, gee, Karen, you have done a great job with your kids. But this took a long, it was a long time before you have Fruit Loops for brains (laughs) to you did a great job. It was a long time coming in between. So, People are not always going to understand the decisions that you make. God may guide you and direct you in things that do not make sense to them. The natural man does not understand the things of the Lord. And um, don't let the pressure from without cause you to disobey God. 
cause you to cave in. You know when there's a weakness within, pressure from without, you have a cave in. And so what do we need to do, ladies? Build ourselves up on our most holy faith so that we're strengthened within. When pressure comes from without, we can stand up and we can stand on the promises of God and we can stand on the fact that God has directed me and guided me and shown me what to do. And we, we do what God asks. Now, David, at times, would cave in. In chapter 27, just a few chapters over, Saul has been chasing David through the countryside of Israel for a long, long time, and David finally gets tired of it. And he says, oh, one day I'm just going to perish at the hand of Saul. Nothing's better for me than that I go to the Philistines and I just defect to the enemy. And David did so. He began leaning on his own understanding. He stopped trusting in the Lord and acknowledging God, seeking God's wisdom. You know, if David, a man after God's own heart, can succumb to that pressure, you and I can succumb to that pressure as well. So we need to build ourselves up to our most holy faith and encourage ourselves in the things of God. Stay close to God. Stay on track with him. Be in the word. Uh, pray through situations. You know, there are going to be times when situations happen in our lives that are ongoing, unresolved, and we're frustrated. We have to continue to go back to God, trust in him, and not lean on our feelings, our emotions, our understanding, the opinions of others coming at you. Make sure you know what God wants you to do. So in 1 Samuel 23, 5 through 6, David and his men went to Keilah. They fought with the Philistines. They struck them with a mighty blow. They took their livestock away. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Abimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. So David and his men went, and they saved the people of Keilah. They not only recovered the grain, but they, were, they took all the livestock of the Philistines. And so they came out of this situation with much more than they had thought. They came out ahead. And you're always going to come out ahead when you seek the Lord and follow his guidance. And we're given the information here that Abiathar the priest came with the ephod. And this is how uh, the will of God was sought. They didn't have the Bible like you and I have. They had the first five books, but they were scrolls, and I don't think they all carried these scrolls around. Um, But God had given the priesthood um, a dress, a a simple linen uh, outfit, and the high priest wore a very elaborate ephod or um, manner of dress, and they would have what was in it, the uh, Urim and the Thummim, I guess that's how they're called. And they were uh, placed inside the ephod, and with these, they would determine God's will. And so Abiathar was the son of Ahimelech, who was killed at Nob. Abimelech alone fled, but he took that ephod that his father had before he left. And he brought this to David. The, the words Urim and Thummim mean lights and perfection. And they're thought to have been stones, maybe one black, one white, and um, they would help them determine a yes or a no uh, answer, possibly. But this was God's prescribed manner. It was his word to use this manner to determine um, God's judgment on something. 
we have been given something so much better. We have been given the word of God that we can um, determine God's will. We have so much more in here, and we have the spirit of God. They did not have the spirit of God dwelling in them. Certain men would have the spirit come upon them, but it isn't the same. You and I have the spirit of God in us, the spirit of truth that will direct us and guide us into all truth. So we have a much better way to determine God's will. But this was their uh, prescribed manner for seeking God. And I read through David Guzik's um, commentary, and he said this. The key to the effectiveness of the Urim and the Thummim was that God's word gave them, was prescribed by God. In seeking God through the Urim and the Thummim, one was really going back to God's word for guidance because it was the word of God that commanded their place and allowed their use. Today, if we have the same focus on God's word, he will guide us also. One old preacher was asked to explain the Urim and the Thummim. And he said, well, this is how I understand it. When I need to know God's will, I get out my Bible and I do a lot of using. And a thumbing (laughs) through the Bible. And God always speaks to me. So maybe we need to do a little more using and a thumbing. (laughs) So at this point, David and his men, they'd moved into the wall city of Cala, and the inhabitants had invited them into their city. Um, they had to have been so thankful for what David and his men uh, did for them. Um, now in verse 7 through 8, we have Saul's deception. And Saul was told that David had gone to Cala, so, he's, so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Cala to besiege David and his men. So Saul is a great contrast to David. Here he is, um, he is leaning on his own understanding. He's reading into the situation uh, his will and his desire. We know that God did not put David there so that Saul could come and snatch him. Uh, God was using David in that situation. And God had no intentions of letting Saul lay hands on David. Uh, But Saul sees it differently. He sees it through the eyes of self-will. And he decides his course of action, leaving God completely out of it, but at the same time telling himself the situation was an opportunity given to him by God. If that's not self-deception, I don't know what is. Proverbs 12, 5, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. And that, like we said, the heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. And we see that in Saul. You know, leaning on our own understanding will always bring about failure. Saul not only killed the priests at Nob, but now he's willing to kill the people of Cala, innocent just because David is housed there. And he's doing all of it in the name of God's will. He has no clue what God's will is, because he does not seek God. He does not know God at this point. You know what, ladies? When we're bent on our own way, um, things get out of control real fast. And that's what I see with Saul. He was just bent on his way. God had said the kingdom's taken from you. 
Saul wasn't going to have it. He was fighting against God, fighting against God's will. He was so set on having his will, having his way. We cannot allow ourselves to get dug in to self so that we will not see God's way and we will not seek him. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And this is what we want to be, well-advised. We want to be open to what God wants to speak to our hearts and well-advised in his word and his wisdom. In verse 9 through 13, we read, uh, When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose, departed from Keilah, and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. And David um, has sought God again over this situation in Keilah. Um, And I think about, you know, here David has saved these people and um, helped them. And yet this final outcome was not what he expected, right? How many times have you made a decision, God has led you in, and um, spoken to you about it, and yet the outcome was not exactly what you thought it would be? Maybe you came out of it disappointed. Um, You know, sometimes just because we've sought the Lord and we've asked his guidance and he's, he's given us a direction to go doesn't mean everything's going to come up roses. We may have to continue to seek God uh, step by step through a difficult situation. And it doesn't always mean that everything's going to be the way we want it. But one thing we do know, that he is able to work all things together for the good. I think of Joseph. In that pit, being sold by his brothers, taken to Egypt. And I know that young man sought God every day. And God blessed him every place he put him. Was Joseph's life easy? No, it was not. He sought God. And God helped him in every way. He helped him have a better attitude. He helped him, moved him up in life. And at the end of things, he was able to tell his brothers what you meant for evil, God used for good. God is able to work all things together for the good. I don't know how, but I do know when he leads and guides you in a place and the outcome is not what you expect, God either isn't done or he's going to work something out of it that you don't see. And whether he changes the situation or he merely changes you, God is going to work. It's going to be for the good. It's going to be for your good. So not every situation that God leads and guides us in comes out the way we want it to. This is not a perfect world. (laughs) 
Not everybody cooperates, right? And this is what we see happen to David. You know, David could have thought, these people are going to protect me and honor me. Um, They're so thankful. They welcomed me into the city. But he doesn't assume what they'll do. This is another mistake we make when we're making decisions. We make assumptions. I've been here before. Oh, I've done this. Oh, I know this person. And we don't seek God. And we don't consider things when we make decisions. And we just assume things are going to go like they have before. We don't know that. James encourages us in uh, 4, 13 through 15, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, where you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You know what, ladies? All of our decisions boil down to this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We pray through that, through all the decisions that we make. We pray the Lord would help us to trust in him, to trust in him with all our heart, and to not lean on our understanding in the specific situation that we're in. Lord, help me be aware of what you want for me to do. Help me to not be so bent on what I want to do. Help me to be open to your leading, to your guiding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, in your thoughts, in your desires, in your plans, in the purpose of your heart, in your will. And he'll direct your path. You be open to him, and you include God in all those areas of your life. He's going to guide and direct your steps. What an amazing God we serve, that he has made himself available. He's made his wisdom available. He's made his truth available. He goes before us, and we can come boldly to his throne because we're his children, and we can receive the help that we need and the grace that we need. He wants to help you make the decisions of your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we want to thank you uh, for being so available to us, Lord. Father, we pray that you would help us to trust in you with all our heart. Lord, that we would look to you when we're making decisions, that we would consider your word and your way and take every matter to prayer. And we know when we do this, Lord, that you will guide and direct our steps. So we thank you, Father, for watching over us. We thank you for being sovereign over our lives and guiding us through every decision, Father, great and small. We love you. We thank you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.